G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. G'day everyone, welcome to Footyology TV, coming at you live from the studios of Southern FM in Brighton. Very good evening, Finey. G'day Roko, I guess we can say that uh, this afternoon, this round, the plot unthickened. Yeah, it did. Uh, the wheat sort of separated from the chaff a bit, didn't it? Uh, I mean, in a nutshell, Melbourne will play in their first final series for 12 years, so congrats to the Demons and all their long-suffering fans. It was a bloody good win, which we'll go into in detail. Uh, Port Adelaide uh, will need a minor miracle, i.e. Geelong losing to Gold Coast at the Cattery to make it. They've got to beat Essendon too. So basically the eight is settled. However, uh, in keeping with the flavour of the last few weeks, seven teams still have the opportunity to get a double chance in the finals, including the Demons. That's what we call all to play for, isn't it? Because that's really the key to winning a premiership is getting that double chance. Yeah, well, we had that anomaly a couple of years ago, of course, with the Bulldogs. But last year, basically underscored again, you need to finish top four. So let's quickly run through the ladder. Richmond tying up the minor premiership and the McClellan Trophy. That sadly underlooked, uh, (laughs) what is it, honour that that they have won. Remember Uh, the old calculation? Uh, first, seconds and thirds, yes. correct. Uh, 20, uh, 21 games played, 68 points for the Tigers. They will finish on top. West Coast. Now, here's, here's a bit of a plot thickening as well. The Eagles not guaranteed of top two and home final now. They need to beat Brisbane at the Gabba next week to shore up their top two spot. They're on 60 points. Collingwood, third in f- on 56 points. They need the Eagles to lose to the Lions. And if they beat Freo in Perth, they will take over second spot. Virtually and, identical percentages, those two teams. Yes, separated by 0.1 of a percent at this stage. So basically, Pies need Eagles to lose. They win. They take over second. Hawthorne and Sydney, fourth and fifth respectively. And that makes next week's uh, Saturday night clash uh, one for the ages, basically a battle for a double chance spot and a um, a second crack at it. And there is something interesting in that because Hawthorne's percentage is almost the same <clears throat> as Collingwood's and West Coast as well. So they could yes. possibly, with um, you know everything going their way, finish second. Correct. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. Although, I mean, if they finish fourth and play Richmond at the MCG... Uh, the difference is just the opponent rather than the venue, really, isn't it? But possibly a West Coast game at the MCG. Yes, which would could be, be delicious. Far preferable. Yep. Delicious. I like that. Um, so Hawthorne, Sydney in fifth. Uh, GWS in sixth. Uh, they can get top four provided... Uh, here we go. Um <laughs> Collingwood lose as well as obviously one of Hawthorne Sydney losing. So still a chance. And the Demons, like I said, they beat GWS. Collingwood loses against Fremantle in Perth. And the Demons will jump in to the top four. Um, that's about all it's worth going over. What do you make of it all? 
Well, probably, look, the pivotal game is Collingwood-Fremantle. If Fremantle upset the Pies, then teams as low as 7th can get the double chance. And it would be just like the Dockers to do it, wouldn't it, after copying the biggest drubbing in the club's entire history to come out and play a blinder? Well, I think there would be some trepidation at Collingwood. They would have rathered Fremantle lost by 39 points and nobody would have been any the wiser. But they're going to they're gonna cop the rounds of the kitchen this week. Yeah. They're not going to avoid the glare. So they will have an opportunity in one game to step out against a famous foe and really put a spanner in the works for their season. So they can play. They've sort of gift, been gifted a mini-final because it's such an important game. Uh, Redem- very... Redemption <clears throat> is at hand. I've, I'm worried for the Pies. Need a bit more than that for redemption in my book. Uh, very, uh, very remiss of me, as I forget every week to say, we're after your comments and questions. Leave them there on the uh, comment spot on the Facebook live feed. We've got one already from Tony TC. The Dr. McClellan Trophy, remember, looking up the totals and the footy record each week in the 70s. There would have been a runaway winner in 1973, finally, when the Tigers won the first, seconds, thirds premiership, and the fourths, I think. With Essex Heights. Essex Heights in the old, <laughs> uh, whatever, southeast suburban footy league. I remember, as a St Kilda supporter, St Kilda never had a strong under-19 teams, and even though they were worth less points than the others, I always blamed the kids, but... North Melbourne, I remember, was very strong in McClellan Trophy reckoning. Always good thirds when Dennis Pagan was coaching him. Yep. However, time to get cracking now. We've got nine big games to wrap up in full. Time for the wraparound. As he shuffles his papers very importantly on the desk, you notice the production values are getting better by the week, finally, and it's a credit to our hard-working production crew of Andrew Davies and Craig Davis. Men, your services are much appreciated. All right, let's start with a fantastic game in Perth today, West Coast and Melbourne, and the Dees ensuring that first finals participation since 2006. 16-12, 108 Defeat of the Eagles, 14-7-91. Cracking game, this. I'd put it in the top half-dozen games of the season. Uh, Dees made the running, led virtually the whole game, but West Coast, just keeping in touch, took a major hit, literally and metaphorically, when Darling went down with concussion. Of course, Kennedy already out, and they really had to change up their whole forward set-up as a result. And I really thought that that moment goes to the integrity of the concussion system. Yeah. If ever a team would be swayed to overlooking maybe the finer points of concussion, they needed Darling on the field. It would have shored up second place. He didn't look to be so distressed when he was sitting in the dugout, but there are protocols and it's great that all the clubs follow it because the medical officers at each club are first and foremost doctors. So just a big thumbs up for that. Yeah, well, let's talk about the Demons because the acid was on them, wasn't it? Uh, 0-7 against top nine teams until this game, and they got everything right. I thought Max Gorn was outstanding in the ruck. I thought their on-ballers at his feet were terrific, particularly uh, James Harms. What what a player he's become. How well has he gone in the last month? Well, basically, uh, not a run with roll, but accountable for Luke Shuey. Yes. And I thought he curtailed Shuey, and not only that, but won plenty of the ball. 
kicks and goals. He was fantastic. Clayton Oliver, again, the sort of game you expect from Clayton Oliver these days. And in lieu of Jesse Hogan, now I did say on Thursday in our audio podcast, I didn't think the loss of Hogan was necessarily fatal at all because they've got a great spread of goal kickers. So Melksham basically took over in that medium-sized goal-kicking role. He was terrific. Still got a really capable key forward in Tom McDonald. And Mitch Hannon, another one of those, you know, sort of jack-in-the-box medium-sized forwards, bobbed up uh, 10 goals between the three of them. And there was also great run and hassle from Hannon as well. So uh, the goals were extremely important, but he really just, you know, sort of... Gave it his all to provide some pressure in the forward line, a la Cripps at the other end, and he had the better of the battle by comparison. A massive last quarter. Uh, Rioli snaps, and uh, it's back to three points of difference. Lacroix puts the Eagles in front. Under eight minutes left on the clock at that stage, and I thought, yeah, I reckon they're going to probably pinch this. But the Demons just came again. Two of the last, uh, the last three goals of the game, two of them to Melksham. And Dean Kent, who's been a, a bit player, really, but uh, bobbed up with the, the clutch um, kick and goal to make the game safe. Yeah, I, when, I've got to say that, um, look, they had a problem in, I think, the third quarter. There's Mick Hibbert appeared to do his hamstring. Michael Hibbert. Uh, Michael Hibbert, sorry. Who's Mick Hibbert? Uh, one at North Melbourne? Yeah, yeah, I think at North Melbourne. That's right. Yeah, so sorry, Michael Hibbert, of course. But he appeared... Pig. Appeared to do his hamstring and sort of fought it out as best as he could. I, I want to make comment. Uh, look, Melbourne have really sort of recrafted their team throughout the season. And Salem, I think he's had his detractors, mm. but they've stuck with him throughout the year. They wanted to burn him. <laughs> ah, of course, Sorry. Uh, a reference to uh, <laughs> the Crucible and other matters in Massachusetts. But the... In the end, he's come good. And did you rate him? Do you rate him? Yeah, um, I've always sort of thought of him as a you know a lesser version of Petrarca or something like that. I mean, mm. d- different roles, but yeah, no, he's not bad. Unfortunately, right. Petrarca's a lesser version of Petrarca at the <laughs> yeah. moment. Yeah, fair enough. Which, which shows how well they've done to pick up the slack with Harms and Hannon, and yeah, you know, more power to them. Got to mention Willie Rioli. How what a why wouldn't you take a Rioli? Who's the worst Rioli? To, who is the worst Rioli to play senior AFL footy? Um, well, there was another Willie Rioli back at Hawthorne in about 1990. Did he get a game? Uh, he never. I don't think he ever played yeah. seniors. I think of, of the ones to play seniors. Yeah, yeah, they're all good. I love Dean. His Rioli is good. Yeah. Um, one more thing I want to say about Melbourne. I reckon it's always about finding that right balance between the, the hard at it stuff, which they do do well. And that attacking bet. And sometimes when they hit the accelerator, they lose their defensive qualities. I thought today they got the balance spot on. And that's what makes them a really dangerous team. They're not as dependable as some, but when they get it right, they are as good um, as anyone bar Richmond for mine. And a big thumbs up to the three umpires who did not bow to the pressure of the noise of affirmation. I thought they umpired the game on its merits, and the crowd was oh, roaring. Don't the Eagles fans boo more vociferous? Like, they've got to be... They're so entitled. <laughs> they really... At half-time, when the, when the freeze were about even and the game was even, they were outraged that they hadn't pulled off another heist. They've got a PhD in umpire dissatisfaction. The <laughs> they certainly do. All right, uh, very quickly before we move on, can the Eagles still win the flag? No, no. Can Melbourne win the flag? 
Yeah, look, we've got a tear away winner leader, but they could play off for it. Uh, yes and yes for me, but very marginally. I think Richmond's got this flag one, to be perfectly honest. Speaking of which, let's move on to our second feature game, Friday night footy at the MCG. 76,000 people there. It was the Bombers' last shot, finally, and they gave it a decent crack, but in the end, coming up short, um, probably, I reckon, to be honest, the eight-point margin in the end might have flattered them a bit. Richmond, 12-9-81, the Bombers, 11-7-73. Once again, the Tigers finding goals through a variety of sources. Caddy, four, Martin, four, Rewalt two. Martin, terrific, as per usual. Rance, great, down back. Uh, Jaden Short, terrific down there. Geez, their defence is good. In fact, I find it hard to isolate the best part of the field for the Tigers. They're all that good. Yep. Um, Bombers. I yeah. think Rewald is a fantastic footballer, even when he's not kicking goals. Oh, no, I agree. Some he, of his touches. He, yeah, his, oh, that boy. was right on show, wasn't it, on Friday night? Yep. I noticed that more than I usually do with him, the amount of deft little taps. That's brilliant. Um, the Bombers, and you made this observation before we started, and I agree with you, a little bit conservative early on. Surprisingly, surprisingly so. I thought they'd come out running it, ripping it. Well, I think it might have been just the sort of the occasion, just a little bit hesitant and Too much respect. Um, They're fearful of running out of the back line. I mean, it wasn't until the final siren when yeah. Rioli caught Saad yeah. that it actually proved, their fears proved to be correct. Well, that may have been a bit of a hangover from the first time they played this year. And that night I was sitting right up in the top deck and got a great view of just how well Richmond sets up behind yep. the ball. And Essendon just kept going sideways in the back 50 and kicking the ball back to them. I guess they were very conscious of that, hence the more deliberate ball movement out of that defensive 50. Um, look, I've got to say, and yes, I do follow Essendon, there'll be a lot of talk this week about has it been a wasted season. No, I don't think it no has. Way. Because I, my theory with the Bombers is that had they won, they won two out of the first eight, Mark Neal got the flick. There was a lot of self-examination going on. Had they won, say, 50% of those games or five of those games, I don't reckon they would have... I reckon they would have papered over the cracks a bit. And it would have been a bit like last year. You limp into the eight, you get drummed out again, everyone goes, oh, well, we make finals. That's a bit of a furphy sometimes, even making finals. I reckon they really had to become something different, and I reckon they've done that really effectively. I think they've got a harder edge. They're better defensively. All those numbers like clearances, contested ball, tackles, all went up accordingly. I think they're pretty well placed now for a decent sort of assault on next year. Now, having said that, I still think they're short of the mark. I still think they need a little more speed in midfield. I still think they need another key defender. I think they've got to be brave at the trade table. I'll just throw one out there. Um, Do you reckon they'd consider trading David Zaharakis? Of course they would, but I don't think he's got... First round currency. Don't you? No. How old is he? Uh, it's probably about 28. Yeah. You see, midfielders, for midfielders to have currency, uh, they really need to be either, you know, at that age, a Rory Sloan. Yeah. He's, he's, look, he's a really good footballer. Yeah. But late first round at best. I don't think he's got top 10 currency. Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, Just Ma- a, can yeah, I ask God. you a question, yes? Yeah, yeah. Yes or no, Goddard next year? Uh, no. Okay. And, you know, I'm not sure that's going to be that big a deal. I mean, I reckon if they give him the wind-up, I, I can't see him going to another club. No, no, not at all. No, yeah. I, think, I think he's, I think he's um, put his hand up to play, but 
I reckon he'd have a look at his form in the last couple of weeks and well, maybe he's questioning himself. Yeah, I, I, the thing about BJ is I reckon his his mind is still that of a 23-year-old, but the reflexes aren't as quick, and that can get him into trouble. Just quickly on their defence, yep. too, you've got Martin Gleeson coming back next year. He's a seriously good player. And Aaron Francis. Well, I'm loving the look of Aaron Francis, fine. He's yep. been... He was fantastic for him on Friday night. Quick one from Murray McKenzie. What are your thoughts on the Vale complaints about key forwards not being looked after, Ree, Buckley, Cox, and now Dimmer and Jack? Well, you know what? They do get looked after. There's enough... There is enough in the rules now with chopping of the arms and if if a forward puts himself in the right position, they will get looked after. Now, I don't know exactly what... Of course the coaches are going to uh, put up their key forwards and put it in the umpire's mind, but I think it's a... Uh, I think it's tactical rather than real. Yeah, I, I don't see too many, too many key forwards getting absolutely crucified. Having said that, Ben Brown copped a shocker at, at the pointy end of that what, Adelaide the push in the back? North game. No, he was being held. It was a one-on-two and he was yeah, being yeah, held okay. off the ball. But that's always happened. I mean, yep. you know, talk to Plugger and these guys about... Yeah, of course. Stephen Silvani used to behead blokes and not give away free kicks. Today, uh, Sos, if you're watching. Uh, Devin Smith confirmed his BNF, the Crichton medal. Another yeah, great performance. And lucky he didn't end up with about three or four weeks because that A-maker on Camden McIntosh didn't connect. What was he thinking? Oh, the, week, know, he the, week, thinking. the week after Andrew Gaff, I know. it was a proper... I know, I know. Well, it's just as well missed. Oh, Camden McIntosh just did the boxes <laughs> move. All right, let's move on. Yep. Uh, Saturday afternoon, back at the G, and another big game with huge ramifications, Collingwood and Port Adelaide. And the Pies... Um, Hats off to the Pies. They have been... Talk about resilient, given the catalogue of injuries. And, hang on, let yeah, me yeah, read no, the score. Yeah, yeah. 17-13, 115. Uh, in the end, smash Port Adelaide, 10-4-64. Uh, my rudimentary grasp on maths tells me that is a 51-point win. It is a 51-point win after only being two goals up at three-quarter time. And spot on. I doff my hat, which I'm not wearing. To Collingwood. Yeah, been great. You know, I watched that game and player, as Port were really driving and in the third quarter they were getting something out of Paddy Ryder, the game looked on. And you just looked at player-by-player contests and on reputation, I thought Collingwood's in trouble here. Virtually every time Collingwood were going for the <clears> ball, <throat> you needed to check yourself and just remember... The 36 isn't Swan, it's Braden Sear. Yeah, he looks a bit like him, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's got that sort of move Waddle. about him. And, you know, and what, who's that? Was that Oxley? And, and is is that Magden? And what's going on here? And who is yeah. that bloke? And what's that bloke doing out there? They get good value from him, though, don't they? And they stormed home and won the game by 51 points. Well done, Collingwood. Yeah, and a, a pivotal moment um, for mine was when Port was still looking a chance and that uh, 50 that Steve Motlop gave away with a really undisciplined whack to Braden Maynard's yep. chest. And, and uh, I mean, that shouldn't have been the turning point, but they just lost all heart. Once Collingwood got the first goal that last quarter, it was game over. Um, now, we'll expand on Port a bit in our hot or nots, but, uh, gee, they've been disappointing, haven't they? Yeah, they've teased. Yeah. After the way they started the year, they've teased. and Well, they beat St Kilda round 16. They were fourth. Yep. Double chance. Had one, I think, four out of five. Look, or one, four or five in a row. Yep. I think they've lost, um, is it six out of seven since then? They've been terrible. And they've really pointed to 
a handful, and just a handful of injuries that they've had. <clears throat> you know, how can they mention injuries after playing against Collingwood, who had 14 or 15 quality players not playing? Yeah, I think questions will be asked too about uh, Rockcliffe, Watts, Motlop, you know, has it paid off? Well, well Motlop was good, I mean. Yeah, yeah and he's, he has been good for the last month or so. I mean, it could still pay off next year. They're still in the window for mine, but... Um, I've got some issues about the way they play footy. However, I, I will expand on that. Pies, they're brave. Uh, can they play any better than that, do you think? The thing that they've got going for them is potentially the right ladder position and the unpredictability that comes with a team that is basically cobbled together because of injury availability. So we harken back to the dogs in 2016. Yeah. And I think Richmond would be far more comfortable on grand final day playing against, say, Sydney, which they know, who they know back to front. Yeah. And who I think in the last 18 months, or I know in the last 18 months, they have passed Sydney. Yeah, it's a really good point, that. There's a, there's a real... Uh, sort of lose a soldier, replace a soldier mentality that the Bulldogs had. Talking about goal-kicking spread, I only just noticed this. 13 individual goal-kickers in that tally of 17 goals. So isn't that a good example? Their 22 on Saturday would be so far away from the best 22 you would have penciled in for them at the start of the year. I'll give you a perfect example of a player that you can't budget for on grand final day, but they don't want to play against Travis Varco. Even if Travis Varco hasn't had much of it in the week before, or even at half-time, he showed again in a few glimpses on Saturday afternoon. You do not want to play against him in a big game at the G. Mate, the man who kicked the greatest goal in the history of football. Absolutely. The 2011 goal against the Pies, of course. Uh, Tony, again, hugely excited. Does Collingwood's resurgence reflect excellent recruiting and that the players needed time to adopt Bucks' intended playing style? Well, I would argue that, uh, what, 12, 13, 14, 15, six years is a fair time to adapt to it. But something something fundamental has changed. You know what? Like, it's hard. We're just guessing here. We're not, in, we're not inside the club. But I just suspect it's Bucks lightening up a bit, just allowing his assistants to, you know, sort of not micromanaging as such. And I think backing his players in, and I think Richmond, that was a big theme going through Richmond last year. And I, I just, I feel that. I, it's a feel opinion, that, but yeah. I just, I don't think there's anything hugely dramatic fundamentally that's changed. I think there is. Or what do you think it is? Because I've always felt that Collingwood's had a good list, and I've, I've known that they've got depth and players that could come in and play respectable league football. Mm-hmm. Now, with injuries, those players have fortunately been given a couple of weeks to work their way into the team without the constant pressure of the revolving door. And over the last three or four years, there's just been too much pressure at the selection table on Collingwood players. I don't want to steal your thunder, but Chris Mayne is a perfect example of somebody who was given some clear water, some fret, you know, clear air, yeah. and has been able to work into football. Yeah. Like a Myocek. He knew he had a couple of weeks on his side. Yeah. And I think that makes a big difference. Yeah, no, no, good point. Good point. All right, let's move on. And it was carnage down at the Cattery. Uh, Geelong, 24-14, 158. Defeated three, uh, Fremantle. <laughs> three Mantle. It was three Mantle. 3-7, 25. Three goals to one. 
uh, Fremantle in front, weren't they? And then Geelong rattled off 23 unanswered goals. That is, well, I don't want to say it. That's disgraceful, really. I watched the game. I, I watched it live. And? Look, at quarter time, I was really impressed by the effort Fremantle put in. Brendan Cox was playing really well at centre forward. Uh, Fife had come back and he makes a difference to that team. Mundy had started off up forward, kicked a goal, and then was a good body in the midfield. And to be honest, Ablett had 12 touches in the first quarter, but Selwood and Dangerfield were quelled. And that scoreline was fair. At quarter time, that was a reasonable scoreline. What well, doesn't that make the last three quarters even more reprehensible? So for the first five minutes of the second quarter, they still on the scoreboard and in their minds were in, in the game. As soon as Geelong got two goals ahead, now I'll give them the only excuse, they've got a lot of youngsters in that team that are, have played full seasons and have had enough. You know, likes of Gyro yeah. and, and others. And then there are players out there that are completely without any passion for the jumper. Walters is a wonderful footballer, but he's back to the concerning footballer that Ross Lyon took over when he arrived. Yeah, Michael Johnson should not be playing football because he refuses to go for a contest. Just runs around looking for uh, hive off cheap possessions well, he won't in the be back up, line. He won't be after next week. Ross has retired. Him and uh, Daniel Pearce, I think. But it was. I'm telling you, it was by the in the third quarter. The Geelong supporters. If you if you watch that game, you will hear Geelong supporters. I'm telling you, laughing. Mm. Like no, the, the, there, was a, there was this atmosphere and they were laughing at the passage of the movement of the ball. Oh, well, let's get serious about the Cats. Um, can they do anything from the bottom half? No, 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 they can't. Well, I don't think it's that sort of definitive, but I, I still feel they're not quite good enough. I don't think this is a flag that you're going to be able to win from the bottom half no, of the eight. They don't frankly. love the G, do they? No, they don't. They're, they're, I think they're about 50-50 on it over yep. their last dozen games. Quick one from Craig Williams. Thoughts on Geelong's prep for the finals? Two potentially very easy home games with zero opposition, then a bye. Surely not a great lead-in. Well, it's sort of one of those ones you end up answering in hindsight, isn't it? Like, if you know, if they've got a number of sore players, um, guys to come back, maybe it is. But it's one of those ones where if they end up having a good final series, we'll say, oh, you know, they got the spell and the easy run when they needed it. And if they get caught on the hop... Um, will say, yeah, they weren't toughened up enough. Geelong strikes me as a side that is a bit susceptible to that. Like, yeah. remember two years ago when they won the qualifying, got the break, and then Sydney just came out and went bang yeah. in yes, the preliminary, yeah. and it was all over. But I would say they didn't showboat on Saturday. <clears throat> they really stuck to their business. Yeah. Yeah, look, I mean, there's, you know, um, Tom Hawkins has had a great year. Yeah, but Tim saw, Kelly's been great. You know, he's played three marvellous games out of four, but the fourth was against Richmond at... Hawkins. Yeah. Yeah. It was against Richmond, and, you know, the games against Richmond and Hawthorne, actually, they're the more relevant ones, you know. Well, see, that's how I feel about Geelong as a whole. I feel like, you know, they're, they're very competitive, but they're just not quite good enough, and I reckon that's been shown reasonably consistently. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Another big game. Uh, what's this one? Battle of the Bridge in that uh, wasteland Saturday twilight time slot, unfortunately. But it was a tough game, this, wasn't it? And <laughs> GWS, for three quarters, looked, I thought, to have the Swans measure. And then 
the Swans, as they do. Um, in fact, it reminded me a bit of that 2005 preliminary final against your boys where they were just sort of hanging on. And in the last quarter, they just went bang. So 6-5 to 1-3 in the last quarter. And the Swans ended up winning by 20 points. 11-14-80, defeat of the Giants, 8-12-60. Kieran Jack, fantastic. Yeah. Be his best game for... Possibly, yeah, a couple of years. But he's won. He's won a few of the medals that are up for grab in that game. Yeah, whatever that medal is called. What is it called? The medal. The the something medal. I'm and going to, oh, the Brett Kirk medal. Oh, the Brett Kirk medal. Yeah. Okay. Is it slightly esoteric? It's sort of like a. Is, yeah, it, is it an orb or something? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's not. It's not a medal. It's a poem. <laughs> yeah. Um, Go on. Look again. GWS ended up without any interchange. Gee, yeah. they, they copied no, it. Can't take a trick. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Griffin had one of those hammies that he wished wasn't a hammy, so he came back on, and tried, but it, he couldn't play with it. Phil Davis bravely played on. Yeah. He looked like he could barely walk. Yeah, but he was courageous to the nines. Yeah. And then Finlayson went over on his ankle. It was a another tough ask for them. And they just they fought hard. They fought tooth and nail. Having watched him all year, I think Camilio's tired or sore. Yeah. He's not he started off well, but he's he couldn't do much in the second half. Can I I'm just I just want to put we've got to move on, yeah. but I'll put this to you quickly. So Sydney say Sydney beats Hawthorne next week, they get that double chance, right? Yes. I feel it's far less likely that GWS will end up with it. I feel like if the Giants got the fourth spot, they could win the flag. I don't think they can win it without the double chance. Sydney, I don't think, can win it even with the double chance. I don't think GWS can win it. Even if they got the double yeah, chance? Yeah, I just don't think so. What about Sydney? No, I don't no. think they can win it either. No, I've got that. You don't sort of feel like they've got three games of that calibre in them, do no, you? No, I agree. And just a, a word on Jeremy Cameron. You know, having let the team down with that incident against Brisbane... Harris Andrews. Yeah, you would have thought he would have come back you know, really conscientious, and but he was again. I don't know if his mind's always a hundred percent on playing team football. It is sometimes on wreaking vengeance. It's sometimes on kicking goals. But he didn't. I tell you what, he's no Himmelberg at the moment. I much prefer the way Himmelberg plays up forward. He's good. I like Harry. Uh, all right, let's move on. The uh, Q clash, the much vaunted Q clash in front of. 11,907 people, not a great turnout. Um, wasn't a great game, to be perfectly honest, but it had an exciting finish, and the Lions hung on. 10-18, very inaccurate, 78, defeated Gold Coast, 11-8-74. In fact, there was probably three times as much talk uh, in the aftermath about the post-siren cavorting between Took Miller and Dane Zorko as the game itself. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about the game. Uh I watched it in sort of fast motion after after <laughs> yeah. the fact, which I do. Did it help? Which I do. And, well, it told, told me one thing, that for the entire game, Brisbane was in a position to sort of put Gold Coast away. They were mm. one or two goals. But to Gold Coast's credit, they did stick at it. And they had the most dangerous forward on the field, who I'll talk about in Hot or Not. Mm. He's become a real lively forward, Alex Sexton. Oh, yeah. Gives good mo, too. Yeah, I tell you what, you've got a more chance of getting a handball off Kevin Bartlett in, you know, replaying old cassettes than you do of getting one off Sexton. He's, he's old-fashioned. 
So, just a quick one on Gold Coast. Like, for all the rubbishing they've copped at stages this year, they end up with... Well, not end up... Well, like, no, they're not going to be too long. They're going to end up with four wins, second bottom. But they're yeah. only half a game behind your mob. <laughs> I wouldn't say running close to St Kilda's much of an achievement. Um, ben Shaw says, is Dane Beans a sneaky Brownlow chance? I've got him top three. Look, the recent history of the Brownlow is that you can win it with a down-the-order side. I don't know if you can win it with a side that's that low on the ladder, though. He is absolutely... Look, one of the keys is to be... One of the keys is to be a dominant midfielder in in your team. Because it's a midfielder's award, and if you can dominate... I'm telling you, he's he's a he is a smoky chance. That is a very good SMS, very good. All right, uh, not SMS, mate. They're on the phone. This oh, whatever. Is, uh, phone. Read out this what? one from Travis Lubke. I don't know how this came by carrier pigeon. Maybe Travis <laughs> should Brisbane have thrown the game against the Suns? Pick two would have been so much better than pick seven in a poor draft. If the AFL give the Suns and Carlton top five picks, one word, Travis. No. You just don't. Well, you, you just. Uh, oh. But Carlton's not getting a top five pick. The only reason the Suns get two picks is because they'll get compensation for Lynch. Yeah. There's no second pick for Carlton. But I, I that I'm not having a go at you, Travis. But I, I just find all that talk a furphy. And and what happened to Melbourne? Look what happened to Melbourne. All that smart assery about oh yeah we're not going to try as hard. The tanking debate. They get fined half a million bucks and they ruin their culture for oh, about yeah, the next yeah, five years. Yeah, you don't years. do it. You just don't do it. Just go by their coach. I mean, Fagan is a lip reader's delight. Yeah. You can just... He enunciates his swear words very well, but he wants to win. Wasn't Fagan the lovable crook in Oliver Twist? Oh, he wasn't lovable. He was a... He was a... You know... He was Charles Dickens... uh, Anyhow, I can get into... Getting my Dickens mixed up. I think I've only read two. That and Great Expectations. He wasn't lovable. Uh, Tony says Zorko lost the plot. Yeah, he Yeah, he did. He did. Yep. We agree on that. All right, let's move on. The uh, Silk Miller Cup, and I'm not saying that facetiously, a very worthwhile cause, of course, commemorating the tragic slaying of policemen Gary Silk and Rod Miller, which the Saints and Hawks clashed for. Of course, Alan Jeans, who coached both clubs, was a policeman. Um, Indeed. I enjoyed this game a lot, and I thought your boys were pretty good finding. In fact, uh, even Alistair Clarkson sort of felt the the better side lost. Final scores, 12-8-80, the Hawks... 11-10-76. 11-10-76. So if I was a Saints fan, I'd be sitting there saying, well, where's this been all year? So where has it been? Oh, look, this is a team with now a lot of first-year players in it. And with that, the injection of sort of um, excitement and, you know, fresh face enthusiasm that was missing a bit from the side throughout the year. So you've got guys like Patton, playing in his second game, and uh, the boys enjoyed getting around him. You know, sorry. Rowan uh, Marshall going well. Well, I was going to get... He, he's impressive. Oh, yeah. He spells his name incorrectly, but he's impressive. Speaking of which, Patton has one T. Surely yeah. it's Peyton. I know he reckons it's Patton, but I'm sorry. What's his first name? Ben. Ben, you're wrong. It's Peyton. I, I, I thought it's Peton. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. sorry. Yeah, there was just... You know, Gresham's a good player. Jack Jack Loney's a tricky little bugger. He he plays for a few frees. I could see him getting under the skin of opposition fans. So is something like that performance enough to make you change your mind about where their list's at? Because like a week ago we were saying their list is horribly inadequate. Well, 
I don't believe it's horribly inadequate. What I believe Please is... Please tell me Sam Gilbert's not going on next year. He did have two kicks in the last quarter that need to be seen to be believed, but he was very competitive. He's the most accident-prone, experienced footballer. Oh, you've got, ever, did so. you see the two kicks he had yeah, in the last quarter? Well, the one went out in the full. Yeah, standing on the boundary, he just kicked Oh, there it. was two went out in the full. Well, he barreled, he barreled one on the full. But, look, he's much loved down there. He's an elder statesman. He's from Queensland. He, he didn't grow up playing football. and <laughs> It still looks like it after 10 years. <laughs> yeah, but he's been a competitive soul. But look, he's got. But he's the sort of guy they've got to move past. Well, they are. Sure. They will move past yeah, him. Yeah, okay. um, look, he came in for Carlisle. And congratulations, Jake, on having a child. Is that why he didn't play? Yep. Yeah, oh, because it was born on Saturday, was it? It was, yeah, I think on Friday night or Saturday. Oh, okay. okay. So, congratulations there. The Hawks, look, Jack Steele, this was a big talking point. He played a very good game on Mitchell. He's had a good year, Steele. Has but, he? Oh, or, yeah, he's or had just a, a last No, 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 he's had works. a good year. Yeah, okay. He plays run with, he's tough, he's uncompromising, good kid. And Hawthorne were, Hawthorne were much. Less without him. Yeah. Now, why teams need to play him tighter? Yeah. It worked. Yeah. That could be a bad blueprint for Hawthorne going forward. I reckon that was sort of the kick in the bum the Hawks yeah, needed. Yeah. Um, I, was, I was shocked. Isaac Smith played in the forward line. Was yeah. he a crook or something? Yeah. He normally kills St Kilda. But I reckon that's sort of the, the rude awakening which they had without actually having to lose a game. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Eighth game of uh, the round we're talking about... Um, I've got to be honest, this was boring as. Uh, Carlton Western Bulldogs. Bulldogs 10-6-66. Defeated Carlton 7-7-49. Six goals to five at three-quarter time. Um, now, look, I mean, credit to the Blues. The Dogs have rediscovered their mojo a bit, and the Blues were able to sort of make it a real scrap and uh, sort of keep them reined in. But the Bulldogs sort of did what they had to for long enough to emerge with the points. I can't really find that much more to say about it, to be honest. I actually did fall asleep at one stage in this game. I was at my sister's this afternoon for my niece's birthday and I was told to turn off the TV during lunch. I did, and then I turned it back on and the score hadn't changed. <laughs> yes. I thought, did I pause it? Um, no, well, no, look, let's, let's not be disrespectful. Let's find a couple of Nothing things Nothing happened in that. that third quarter. I mean, I turned it off 20 minutes later. I turned it back on. It was in the last quarter. No, the a, score was uh, the same. It was a bit like that. Uh, debut for DeConning, son of former Terry. Footscray player Terry DeConning. I don't know why I remember him so well, given he only played for about two years. But... And, he, you know, he came to St Kilda and... He broke down. Young DeConning or Terry? Terry, and oh. he broke down in a pre-season game. Oh, is that right? Yep. Uh, so he um, joined that... Uh, actually, it wasn't his first kick, was it? But he scored a goal on his debut. Yeah. One thing I noticed... Um, is one, that getting ridiculous now? Getting illustrious around, band. No, getting, like getting around. Getting, around, it, getting yeah, around When them. they kick their first goal. That kid got... That kid... You would have thought he just won the World Cup. <laughs> well, you know, so you've got to celebrate small victories at Carlton at the moment. Um, one thing about the Bulldogs... Dunkley, who in their premiership year was sort of playing as a, a small pressure forward, wasn't he? He seems to have spent a lot more time midfield, uh, and I think he's going pretty well at the moment. Yeah. Hunter, what I've seen the doggies lately, Hunter's been um, vastly improved, and Bontempelli is Bontempelli. So where do we reckon they're at? Do you, can we see them sort of really having a, another big year next year, do you think? There's going to be a bit of a purge at the end of the year. There's players either out of contract or free agency that um, either they're not sure they want to be there or the club's not sure. And we're talking about 
sort of favourite sons going back a couple of years. Luke Dalhouse, Roughhead, Wallace. So there's a lot of water to go under the bridge. It's uh, a bridge that it, it's, it's sort of been forged by the coach and maybe he's now got the players that he wants to go ahead with. And there, there might be some big names moved on. Fair enough. I just want to say, Carlton has now... He's my favourite footballer. He is something else, Patrick Cripps. He is a courageous... He got, he got a hospital pass from Mark Murphy gut, today. It was such a stupid kick by Mark Murphy. And the Bulldogs player took a fair mark in the back line. And this kid was in such pain... I love his attitude. He got back out there. Yeah, he is a mighty footballer. Yeah, yeah. mighty, <clears throat> and he's had another great season. Oh, he's a ripper! All right, final game of the round over in Adelaide, and uh, the Kangaroos had uh, very, very fleeting finals hopes. Well, they have now officially been extinguished, but not without one hell of a fight. Final scores in this game, and I'm going to have to look at the screen because I forgot to write down the final scores. Twelve fourteen eighty six. The Crows eleven eleven. 77, in fact, I'm just going to write that down now. 12, 14, 86, 11, 11, 77. So, Crows, five, six goals up for much of this game. Still five goals up at three-quarter time and five goals to two in the last quarter. I reckon, uh, well, North aren't going to play finals, but we shouldn't sell them short. I reckon they've had a really good season, the Roos, and I thought it was a really brave effort by them. Is it building blocks for the future? The reason Absolutely. I, well, the reason I ask that is there, there still is... They had a good run with injuries. They've had a good run with injuries this season. Mm. Uh, bar weight, really. I mean, they, they sort of need all hands on deck. Yeah, well, to that end, I, I thought, um, you know, he was a little bit up and down, but he started really well. Hartung, when he got injured, robbed him of a bit of pace. Yeah, I'm not, not a fan of Billy. And that back line, look, Magjack Daw has really made a difference. Oh, he's a ripper. Mm. But there are some ageing players in that team, aren't there? When you think of yeah. Tom, when you think of Thompson, yeah. Wait, of yeah. course, who was important to Wait, Wait's a young 42, though, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, there is some age in that side. Who's developed this year? Who's come through? Um, they need some depth. Will Walker looks promising. I like and, Walker. Well, let's hope he's okay. Because uh, he landed on his yeah. leg. Yeah. No, who, who's, uh, Clark, I think, gets, continues to, to look better. Um, Wood is a tantalising prospect. Yeah. Dumont. Yeah, no, he's got better. There's an obvious one I'm missing, and it's a magic door. Yeah, I'm saying magic doors. Oh, did you say door? Yeah. Did you? Sorry. But I just, I just hope that this wasn't North at their best this year. If they got off to a poor start next year, if the fixture doesn't favour them, mm. they could... They could still find it hard. Yeah, I'll give you one. Look, we tended to say this when they made the preliminary finals too. We don't sort of give them enough credit for the list management, I, I don't think. I had a look. I'm pretty sure going into this season, uh, in list terms, they had less games experience than any other club in the competition, even like really? Gold Coast and Brisbane. I think so. That could be one of the silliest things I've said, but I'm pretty. it just rings a bell. I think that's right. So they've got a lot of upside. The other thing, I just saw in Adelaide... Look, I know that got close at the end. They were 36 points up in that third quarter. Yeah. Their ball movement was tremendous. Well, sort of back to last year, wasn't it? Yeah, they are a prospect for next season. And yeah. They, and I know I've said this card. before, and I'm not, I don't hate the bloke, and I've got a plan for him. Yeah. And I'll tell it to you later. Yeah. But they really look better without Walker. 
Yeah, you have got a limp for him. Yep. So do we have we cut them? You and I cut the crows too much slack uh, with the injuries. I mean, is this if you're making a grand final, you shouldn't be missing finals the next year. You shouldn't be, but look, yeah, it knocked them about. You know that that team is going to restructure a bit. So we're used to Laird and Smith off the back line. Mm. It'll be different next year. Wayne Miller will come off that half. Yeah, no, he's been good. He's been a plus. Oh, yeah, so they've they've found a few things. What they need to do is look to the next generation of ruckmen at that club. Riley O'Brien's never played for them. Sam Jacobs has been working into the ground, and he's not a great. Year, no, he got he got slaughtered by Goldstein. I mean, he's you know. They need to look at that, mm. and there's some improvement to be had there. One more. How much has Gibbs has Gibbs been worth the acquisition? Look, Gibbs, Gibbs does his work. I've never found him to be a highly influential player, but he's not a front runner. He just is, you know, part of a functioning midfield. Mm. You'd rather have him on the field than not have him on the field. Yeah, well, they'll be. They've got six months now to uh, to sort of chastise themselves about not making the finals after being in a grand final. I reckon they'll be pretty souped up by the time yeah. we hit next year. I'm pretty confident, though, they probably won't be doing a pro-season camp thing. Yeah, they won't be. But is a big plus for them. Yeah. Gallucci. Campdown. Campdown. Duda, <laughs> duda. <laughs> You're about the only person that would get that, I reckon. But Gallucci, he played well yeah. again. There's some pluses in that team. Yeah, yeah, no, there Mil is. Miller is a big plus. I think they've... Of the two South Australian teams, mm. I think they've got more to look forward to in 19 than Port Adelaide. Oh, it's an interesting debate, that one. Uh, very quickly, Jaron Parkinson says, Walker is too arrogant of a player, can't back it up on the field. Finey is nodding in vigorous agreement with that. Yeah, look, he's he casts a shadow. Do you want to hear my theory? Can you do it quickly? Yeah, I think Adelaide should trade him. And I think they should trade him to Carlton. And off because Carlton need Carlton got these young forwards. They need a big, imposing <clears throat> figure desperately, a real one. Mm. I think Walker would be a great fit for Carlton. Adelaide give Carlton Walker and their first pick, which will be what pick number about number nine or ten. Carlton's first pick. Adelaide's first Adelaide's pick. First pick. Yeah. Around nine or ten. Yeah, for pick number one. It's not going to happen. Why not? He's the captain of the club. He's not going to trade the captain of the club. I'm just saying that Walker and Adelaide's first pick for pick number one would be the, a great move. Um, yeah, okay. No, we'll, we'll, Think but, about it, Adelaide. Yeah, I don't, I don't reckon they will. I reckon they would. All right, that is the wraparound for this week. Time now to move on to our favourite intro. <laughs> Hot or not? Where is it? Hot or not? Oh, this is a dream come true. Well, for me. something always goes wrong in this show, and it's this week. It's this. Oh uh, no! I'm no, going to give it one guitar. more. Please. I feel naked without it. <laughs> All right, will we just get into it. <laughs> All right, you know who you're becoming like. You're becoming like, um, you know, Guitar Hero on South Park. Have you seen that episode? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, where uh, the kids are playing Guitar Hero, and Randy Marsh picks up an actual guitar and plays the the solo out of um, oh, what's that song by Kansas? 
some incredible solo and the kids aren't impressed because it's not on guitar either. <laughs> oh, jeez, I almost knocked myself out then. Um, I'm saying with a hot, and we touched on him before, Chris Main. And uh, there was a fantastic photo taken post-game on Saturday of Nathan Buckley congratulating Tra- Travis Varco and Chris Main on the side of it. And just the expression on his face, it was sort of, I couldn't work out whether it was Tiny Tim or Strop or, or some, it was a weird, check out the photo if you see it, I think I tweeted it. Um, but he would have been the most pilloried player in the AFL last year. Uh, everyone was talking about the worst player acquisition of all time, the worst deal, the amount of money he was getting paid, which wasn't his fault. He didn't stuff up that deal. Um, he had a coach who basically publicly said he really didn't want to get him across, didn't play him, only played three games to the season. Uh, you could have had long odds indeed on him being a factor in Collingwood this year. Well, he's played 16 games. Um, he's averaging a career high of 18 disposals against Port Adelaide. He had 27 disposals, which is also a career high. Five tackles and a goal. Um, best figures in 191 senior games. And he's really given him something uh, off a wing. He's been terrific. Well done, Chris May. Imagine if I would have said to you last year that pivotal to Collingwood's ascension into the top four would be Chris Main, Collingwood VFL player, Brody Majacek, Port Melbourne VFL player, and Mason Cox, then a Collingwood VFL player, much maligned. I would have said, you're dreaming, Finey, you're dreaming. Well, that dream is now reality. Okay, your turn. My first hot is Alex Sexton, number six for the Gold Coast Suns. Look, I know a lot of people don't watch the Gold Coast Suns, including most of the 11,000 that they claim are there each week. Oh, I thought you were going to say most of the Gold Coast. Well, yeah, I think I'm implying that. But this guy, he kicked five out of six against Melbourne. That was a really good effort. He loves a goal. He kicked a goal against Brisbane on the weekend. You've got to see it. It's a long-range sort of check side kick that just, you know, he made the ball talk. He's become a really dangerous forward. And one could only imagine, given that there's no one else up there, and he cops a fair bit of attention from the opposition, how he would go as a fourth forward in a good team. He'd be Menzel. I really believe he'd be like Daniel Menzel-like in a really good team. What is his um, defining attribute? Is there one, or is he? Well, just he does a solid make the ball. He makes the ball talk. He's got he's got a touch of the day. His yeah, ability touch from of the day well, his ability from the boundary or from <clears> anywhere <throat> to kick around corners. He he knows the feel of the ball, and he's a beautiful. He's an opportunist. Mm. Um, he reads the play really well. He's not strong body wise, but he can work his opponent under the ball. He's one of those classic half-forward flankers from the old school. I love watching him play. I love that expression, makes the ball talk. So when someone does make the ball talk, what does the ball say? It, I, I am going to go through the goals. It, you know what it says? It says, I'm going to do what you intend it to do. Yeah. Like it, There's different parts of the ball to make it spin a certain way. And some players have no idea. They just... We're talking about Sam Gilbert. He has played the game for well, a decade. I just, he has no idea what part of the ball to kick. I just thought of what the ball says when Sam Gilbert kicks it. Oh! <laughs> but really, I mean, you know, in soccer, you have a look at these great dead ball players like Merchants. Ronaldo. Ronaldo. Yeah. Yeah. It's not an accident. They have kicked this ball a thousand, south, thousands of times <clears throat> as a youngster, and they know each part of the ball. Yeah. That kicking it on the stitching is different kicking it 
And footballers don't spend enough time with the ball in their hands, but I've got a feeling Alex Sexton does. All right, good call. Um, I'm going with the knot. In fact, I've got two knots this week. First time ever, I think. This one, and a quite serious one, my knot uh, goes to Ross Lyon, Fremantle coach. Not necessarily for that performance, so it was pretty abysmal, but his performance in the post-match press conference. Now, if you haven't had a look, you can see it on the AFL website. Um, they got their bottom kicked, so there were obviously going to be some hard questions asked. One of the very appropriate questions was asked by a very good football journo in Shane Hope, who writes for the West Australian. Shane simply asked him, and not right at the start, he asked him, uh, is the rebuild on track? To which Ross slipped into his sort of slightly smart arsey, I'm going to uh, turn the question back on you and make you look like an idiot, guys. And he then turned it on Shane and said uh, it was unfair to ask that because it was just after a game. Well, absolute rubbish. I mean, not every question at a press conference is specifically about what happened in those four quarters. It's about the bigger picture. So it was a pretty obvious question. Uh, and then Ross turned it on Shane and said, well, how long should a rebuild take? And Shane said, well, a few years. And he said, what do you mean by a few? He said, well, three or four. And he said, can you name anyone else that's done it in three or four? Now, Shane, unfortunately was probably caught short in that moment. But, you know, Hawthorne this year springs to mind. Uh, Geelong and Sydney have managed to sort of remake themselves over a reasonably short period of time. But that aside, I mean, the press conference is a place where the coach is supposed to be giving a message to supporters of the club, not playing a smart-ass and trying to deflect and divert attention off your own shortcomings. So he's done this a bit, Ross, and, and he can be pretty prickly in that situation. He's absolutely feeling the pinch. But if I was a Freo supporter, I would have been watching that and thinking, can you stop the, this crap? I want to hear your explanation as to why we just got belted by 133 points. And is this much vaunted rebuild actually getting anywhere? So not a great look for the club. I don't reckon Ross would be that wrapped about his effort in that looking back. Yeah, good pick up. And I'll say this, I don't know Shane Hope and he shouldn't be the one answering questions. He's the one actually asking the questions. But I'd, I'd say this to uh, Ross Lyon, if he turned it back on me, that was a valid question. And I would say this, in the last month and a half, uh, of the players named best and playing best for the Fremantle Dockers, Lockie Mill and David Mundy have been probably, week in, week out, the two best players, maybe with Ed Langdon. All right, Langdon is part of the rebuild. Fife came back in, he was best. So it became Fife, Mundy and Neil. Where's the rebuild? Where are the players beyond the absolute <clears throat> predictable old names? I mean, it doesn't take much to get Mundy, Neil and Fife to be your best. No, they're, they're, that's my thing about the rebuild. It's tended to be cameos and, and there seems to be not a lot of continuity about it. And I don't like the way they play. It's just the way they play footy smacks to me. It's got 2009 written all over it. It's 2018 now. Uh, all right, your turn. Oh, hang on. Have we got a quick one on that? Uh, Jaron says, rebuild needs a new coach. Well, it's interesting the sort of temperature in WA this week about how much heat he will come under. He's contracted to the end of 2020 and it will be an awfully large payout. So I don't think that's going to happen. But, uh, yeah, I think some serious questions need to well, be Well, live by the sword, die by the sword. He was he arrived there in, you know, in a coup yeah. and he could go in a coup, except a different sort of coup. The you know their song their club song doesn't have many words does it? 
Freo, Freo. Freo, heave ho, yeah. Yeah, it's give the coach the heave ho might be a line that could be added because I think they've run tired of him. All right, your turn. Not Hot is one of my favourite coaches. Brad Scott's had a really good year. I think he made a mistake in this desperately important <clears throat> game against Adelaide. Now, I know that they rattled at them at the end of the game and they got within three points. So this might seem unfair, but they dominated the last quarter. They had inside 50 after inside 50, and Ben Brown was off his tucker. Now, Magic Door has marked everything for the last 10 weeks. The last time he went forward, he kicked four goals. I was amazed that why, why were, when they were bombing the ball into the forward line, was it not to Magic Door? The, well, the, who, who goes where door? Well, you just have to put Ben Brown yeah, either, in defence. Well, you either rotate around and work out whether he goes into defence and plays solely on Jenkin. Remembering that Jenkins kicked their only goal for the quarter, or they, before the late goal to Betts. But I just felt, look, it's easy to sit in the grandstand, but I think the comment was made on the TV coverage. I was shocked that Magic Door didn't go down there. Yeah, no, it's a fair call. It's a fair call. Uh, all right, uh, last one for me, and it's another not. Now, I've been uh, I've been a big supporter of this club's aspirations. I like yes, what... No. <laughs> I liked uh, I liked what they did in waiting up on senior talent for a crack. I speak of Port Adelaide. But um, their last six weeks have been terrible. They've lost five out of six now. They, they are going to miss the eight, regardless of what happens next week, unless there is the biggest turn-up in the history of turn-ups. I couldn't think of the right analogy. But they have lost their... Um, Port, to me, look a really, really good side when they back themselves and they attack and they run and they score, most importantly. Yep. The most damning stat on Port this year, finally, is they've gone from being the second-highest scoring team in the comp to the 13th highest. Um, they've kicked 10 goals or less four games out of the last six. Uh, OK, they've lost Charlie Dixon now, but they had him available up until last week. Um, and they just... The, the way they play their footy, it's so... Cautious, and I found in that game against Collingwood, they'd play cautiously. Collingwood would get a run on and get sort of three goals up or whatever, and then it would be, okay, we better go bang. So there was a moment in the second quarter, Jared Pollock kicked that great goal with a couple of balks, and it's only when they're sort of desperately in trouble that they seem to sort of throw caution to the wind. They need to throw caution to the wind across four quarters. Another good example of it, I think early in that last quarter, the young um, Jared Lynott got the ball darting around. Where can I've got to find a free target. I've got to find a free target. Eventually, he goes short to Jasper Pittard. It's called not 15 metres. He gets nailed, turnover, Collingwood goal. Port needs to attack. When they attack, they can challenge any side in the competition. When they don't, I think they're about where they're at now, which is going to miss the finals and a particularly disappointing end to the season for them. You know, when they were going well last year and this year, their players were... They had some <coughs> players in golden form. Ryder was All-Australian. Mm. Robbie Gray was becoming... You know, bordering on legendary. Yeah. Ollie Wines was the young midfield bull of the comp. Mm. Now, that's not easy to keep up week in, week out. And all of them, I think, have suffered a bit from injuries and wear and tear. They're still great footballers, don't get me wrong. But as they've, as, as their output has diminished a bit, understandably, 
I don't think that slack's been taken up. No, and I think you, you've got a sort of question there, uh, psychological toughness too, I think. You know, like losing a couple of games from a couple of goals up, but then the cave-in on Saturday doesn't add up to a really resilient team, does it? Right, no, it doesn't. Finishes off. Okay, I'm going to finish off with an umpire who's hot. And who I'm marking as hot. This is, that sounds terrible, and I explained one a minute. I didn't mean it. Can I guess who it is? Who? The boy? No. Oh. I just like saying the right, boy. I'll tell you that I like the boy. I'll tell you the Ray Chamberlain comes under unfair um, criticism because he's easily recognisable because he's shorter and louder than everybody else, <laughs> and that that's a problem. Yeah. Now the other most recognisable field umpire is uh, Jacob Mullinson. Eleni Gluftsus. Oh yeah, right. Okay. Now she umpired Hawthorne St Kilda, and yeah. I had a close look with the bias that comes with wanting one of the teams to win. Yeah. She umpires, as well as all the other young umpires, she's not in the top bracket, yeah. but there's a group of young umpires, and you know I saw the game this afternoon between North and Adelaide, and she's at that level of a very promising young umpire. No, so this is a hot, isn't it? Yeah, it's a, it's a hot. I think, I think she's a, it's a great effort. First of all, she bounces the ball really well in the centre, yeah. which is a fine achievement. It's not easy to do, and it was thought to be the reason why female umpires would be held back. But she has stepped in comfortably to be an AFL umpire mm. and more power to her because it's easy in the stands to hate. You know, people hate umpires, yeah. which is wrong. But the more identifiable the, umpire, identifiable the umpire, the harder their job is. You know, it's actually, now you bring it up, I, I was noticing her last night and I was thinking because you could hear the decisions or whatever. And I understand entirely why she's like this. She's still quite cautious about her interaction with players, yep, isn't she? Yeah, yep, she is. Absolutely understand why, because yep. she's a trailblazer. Would, won't it be good the moment when you hear her sort of having this sort of exchange with a player that Ray Chamberlain or someone like that does? Because yep. it'll say the players are going, okay, we absolutely accept that you're one yep. of us. You're in the fraternity, you yep. know? So, yeah, no, well, she, I mean... She will be remembered very fondly in footy history as we get good. more female umpires. Yes, very and there's good. several female goal umpires now, isn't there? There is indeed. Off the SMS, Jeremy Parkinson was geary out of line with his comment to the umpire. I oh, yeah, that I was, was good. I thought it was funny. <laughs> Dean Marquette's made a decision. We'll just repeat what it was so people weren't across Well, it. Dean Marquette's made a decision against Geary, and Geary turned around <laughs> and said, you've had a shocking season. Yeah. <laughs> and Marquette's disagreed. No, but he said... He said Shocking season. Or yeah. <laughs> wouldn't you have said to him, what, have you watched every one of my games? Oh, I, I think it was done, you know, in a, in a fit of, in a, in a fit of um, you know, petulance. Hey, you know what I would have said if I was Margaret? So I would have said, what, you've watched every one of my games? Jeez, I haven't watched every one of yours. Yeah, yeah look, it was a, a comment. And as captain, maybe a comment he shouldn't have made. But Darren Geary's a very pleasant, easygoing bloke. And they would have had a laugh about it afterwards. Dean Margaret's is either the most experienced or second most experienced umpire in the AFL. Oh, Shane McInerney. Shane McInerney is up yeah, to... I'm, I'm saying, so Dean would be second. Uh, yeah, probably, yeah. yeah. Uh, very good evening, Shane McInerney, too. I once got out in the turfs with Shane McInerney after a yeah. game up at Carrara. Oh, good. Uh, Lachlan O'Connor, Grundy or Gorn for starting AA Ruck? Gee, that's a good question, and we haven't got the stats in front of us. I do... I'll, 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 I go, find I'll it hard. go the first letter, G. You go the next letter. Well, I'm just right off the top of my head, impact. I'd probably go with Grundy, actually, at this stage. I'd go with Gorn. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. And one more. Best small forward right now. 
That's interesting because I was trying to think who the best small forward in yeah, the Yeah, I've got it. Luke Bruce. In the competition. Well, is he a small forward? Yeah. Um, is he? Yeah. He's definitely in the All Australian team. See, he doesn't. He's not a small forward in the Eddie Betts, no, uh, no. Tip and Woody Terrier mould. Yep. He's still a small forward. It's interesting. I was trying to pick my All Australian team, mm. and it's a really interesting yeah, side. I haven't had a crack yet. Oh, it's a really interesting side to pick pick this year. Pardon me. <coughs> Pardon me. Not as obvious. This maybe is live TV. Not as obvious as previous years. Bruce definitely in it, and yeah, that small forward role. It's hard to put your finger on it. It, it really is. Mm. Um, no, there's a few. Uh, one more. Dugowie, says Tony T. Yeah, but he's, Dugowie's 190 centimetres. Oh, he still plays a small forward. I think the haircut rules him out. Yeah, it's interesting. Some I mean, Dugo- you, you put Dugowie in the team, but, yeah, it's it's hard to... It's it's difficult to know. Well, we'll... we'll I mean, I'd, I was picking a team. I'd put Dustin Martin in the forward line. Well, I heard a few people the other night talking about whether Dusty would get in, and I reckon he probably has to. Yeah. If he hadn't had the season last year, we'd all be raving about what a great season. Oh he's yeah, had. yeah, I think he, I think he has to go in. All right, that's it for Good hot stuff. or not for this week. Time to move on. I'm not going to go on about how it's time to get angry. I feel strangely relaxed at the moment. Finally, maybe you can whip me into a suitable frenzy. Um, it's oh. time. Yeah, go on. I'm pissed off, finally. It's time for the <laughs> Rant Off! Alright, I've got a good one. How did you see... How did you, did you know, how did you know how I was going to start it? Tonight? Oh, I'm a punter, mate. I well, just sort of backed it in. I actually, for those just across this, I've started every single rant the same way and I figure when you're on a good thing, stick to it. And uh, Master, can you just lift that a little bit higher? Okay, let's go. All right, count me in. It's funny because I'm just—I <laughs> just want to say this before I count you Quinn. in. I, I like the way your first two lines is always "I'm pissed." Yeah, off. <laughs> I'm just saying, but you always start "I'm pissed." I guarantee you, I'm pissed. <laughs> Incidentally, to the number of people who every time I'm tweeting late at night and I get fired up about something, everyone goes, "Oh, I'm having a few reds, Roker." <laughs> I don't drink. When I say I don't drink, I have had a drink or two, but I actually don't. And I don't drink either. Yeah, we don't. I've been accused of, you know. We don't need artificial stimulants to get us into this state of madness. No, this is the final sign. I was accused of being drunk on drugs. No, that was, that, that was your cause. Yeah, but I'm saying, you know, it's, it's funny how people are so used to the mainstream. You, you veer off it and you must be on something. You know we're, what? We're, we're high we're, on life. Well, I was going to say, we're low on life. <laughs> <laughs> All right, come in. Three, two, and the next number. I'm pissed off with Hawthorne Finey. Who do they think they are sitting in the top four, set to pull a Swifty on the competition, maybe pinch another flag? The Hawks are like bloody Schwarzenegger in the Terminator. You think you've killed them off and they get up again and have another crack. It's not supposed to happen. Here's some history for you, Finey, and you better brace yourself. 1971's nearly 50 seasons ago. At three-quarter time on grand final day that year, your Saints led the Hawks by 20 points and were about to win their second premiership. Hawthorne's still stuck on one. Here we are in 2018. Hawthorne is potentially about to win a 14th flag. How many have St Kilda won? Oh, piss off. That's an average of one every four years. And St Kilda still won. No wonder they got out of jail again against the Saints on Saturday night. Even Alistair Clarkson reckons they shouldn't have won. But they just do. I've lost count of the number of times 
I've written an obituary for Hawthorne over the years, Fanny. I wrote one when Peter Hudson did his knee, and I was still in grade two. Got an A-plus for it as well, because my teacher was an Essendon supporter. I did another one in the old Sun News pictorial days after the Bombers fixed them up in a second straight grand final in 1985. We thought we got rid of them all together in 1996, and then bloody Don Scott ripped that Velcro hawk off the Melbourne jumper and ruined everything. And then we all had another crack when they got rid of Mitchell and Lewis and lost five of their first six last year. They were 17th on the ladder. But like Monty Python and the Holy Grail, when they're loading that guy on the stretcher with bubonic plague and he yells out, I'm not dead yet. They bloody weren't. Now we're all going to pay the price. More romanticising of Clarko. More kids jumping on the bandwagon. More of the worst colour scheme in the history of world sport. It's not fair, Hawthorne. Give someone else a bloody go, will you? They are, I agree. Look, they are, in my time following football, by far the best team. Well, by far. Scores on the board, isn't it? And what people don't realise is that they came from an abysmally low and seemingly through the 40s and 50s, impossible to improve on base. And they were the Mayblooms and they were the Mustard, mustard Pots. You see, what people don't realise, their inclusion in the then VFL was very controversial. In 1925, North Melbourne Footscray, yes, mm. and the next best team was clearly Port Melbourne. Mm. But with you know an eye on the future and that same expansionist bravado that took us eventually interstate, the powers that be then said, "We don't need another inner city team. Let's get out into the leafy suburbs." And they were considered a joke because football was a working class sport, and this was a genteel suburb that simply couldn't play that same roughhouse brand of football that the VFL was. Well, see, this is and it. they were stuck. They were hopeless. And what's happened to their supporter base, too, the merger turned their supporter base from leafy, sort of Campwell, Xavier-going, you know, wicker basket, thermos-carrying types into feral tradies from Narry Warren. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you this. I've got a... I've, this is a famous sort of, of, of interesting piece of football memorabilia. I've only ever seen a copy of it. It was an advertisement placed out... It, placed in the Hawthorne Gazette or, or Tribune, the local paper, in about 1929. And it was put in there by the local Presbyterian church, pointing out that Hawthorne were hosting Fitzroy that weekend, or the weekend coming. And the previous year, the visiting Fitzroy fans had variously uh, stolen ornaments from front gardens in <laughs> Hawthorne, yeah. had mitterated in people's front gardens and had, in one instance, taken out the back window of a lorry. So there was strong advice, given that they were playing Fitzroy, to make preparations and have no valuables, and this was the <laughs> term used, have no valuables uh, visible to the visiting hordes from Fitzroy. There you go. <laughs> I love your little cultural anecdotes. Uh, Mark says, can the Hawks beat Sydney? Of course they can. They've actually got a pretty good record at the SCG yeah, from memory. Of course they absolutely All right, your rant time now. I'm counting you in. Three, two, one, rant. I don't know whether it's because of the cold weather and the fact that I am feeling it the older that I get. I felt this weekend, even though the temperature was hovering around the 9 or 10, it was negative 2 for most of the weekend. Rain pouring, wind blowing. But I'm a grumpy old man, Rowan. Everything got on my nerves on the weekend. Everything. 
from the Hawthorne St Kilda game the last quarter where we just kept kicking the ball into the forward line and couldn't score. And yes, Sam Gilbert's beautiful uh, display of making the ball scream, not talk. Then I turned on the soccer. I actually got up to this year to watch my beloved West Ham lose their second game in a row for the season. Surrender to lose To Bournemouth. The, the Cherries. cherries. Uh, the commentators got on my nerve. I blamed them. Things just kept going from bad to worse all weekend. I played darts and with my third throw of the night, my dart broke in half, so I had to retire because I didn't have any replacement darts. And then I really got angry because I wanted to watch a particular race on TV today and Sky Channel moved it to their second channel, which I don't have because you've got to pay for it. And then I went to my sister's for lunch and I wasn't allowed to watch the footy and I got angry there and had a go at my nephew and you know what I've realised? It's not the weather, it's not the rest of the world, it's not the commentators, the umpires, it's not even Channel 7 or Optus Vision, it's me. The longer I live on this earth, the more I hate it. And I'm pretty sure when you die, you don't go to another planet. So I'm just going to have to put up with it. The saints aren't getting any better. The weather's not getting any warmer. And I've got to stop getting shittier. Sounds like the sort of rant I do, but I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, everything, you know, you think we're a couple of grumpy old men, but wait till you reach our age. Everything pales, doesn't it? I went today and I bought a jacket. That's how cold I was this weekend. <laughs> so I bought a jacket. I'm interested in your sister making you turn the footy off. How was that sort of mark? No, we know football. No, no, no. She's she doesn't mind footy, and her. So who made you turn it off? My mother. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't come here to watch the football. Turn off the football. Uh, Not being able to hear the D sing the song. Oh well, we could. Oh, that was the other thing. That was the other thing that annoyed me as well. We both brought that up. Yeah, that annoyed. I'm glad you mentioned that, Ben. Yeah. Good. Good communicate or whatever yeah. method that comes by. And you know what? You wouldn't mind it if Channel 7 pissed off to the news and it was, you know, world leader assassinated. But the first story tonight was Jane Bunn talking about how much snow had fallen on Mount Dandenong. Oh, hold the, hold the back page. Is Jane related to Mark? Mark Bunn used to play Fitzroy. Yeah. No. Boy, it's funny how many forums Jane Bunn's name comes up. Uh, and I won't go where I was going to go with that. But yeah, those... 320 games. What a crap time slot. And it's any time there's a big result and there are ramifications out of it and you need to see some sort of postscript to the game, it was no more, literally no more than like 45 seconds. Absolute rubbish. Yeah, so you know, you, well, you know how you handle that, don't you? You make a point of turning on to another station's, another network's news service. Either that or. Or you listen to us. You listen to us. But Why would we're you on do at that? 7.30, yeah. an hour and a half later. We'll sing the club song for you. By the way... No, you watch us instead of watching Bounce. Of course, had you watched that club song being sung, you would have noted it was the only club song without, without that reference. Without reference to the club. Incidentally, what, how lame is it when they they record the, um, the theme song? I think Bounce do this, actually. They record the theme song, and like an hour later, they go, well, here yeah, you are, David yeah. fans, here's your... It's an hour later, you're sort of the novelty's sort of worn off. You know, you're not quite as sort of vociferous about it. Well, if it's 11 at night, that's when you've got to wake up your four-year-old. Here's the the song. Have we got another? uh, Tony says, over-officious umps who now seem to have dismissed the protected zone. 
Oh, no. they did. Oh, they didn't dismiss it. There was the yeah. worst one I've ever seen today. I saw one. Yeah, which game was that? Uh, was that? It was the, the West Coast Melbourne game, wasn't it? A Melbourne player got pinged, I think. Um, oh, maybe North Melbourne Adelaide. There was one as well. Yeah. Rory Laird. It was a North Melbourne. Willie Walker had the ball. Willie Walker. And R- Laird, he took the mark as Laird was sort of running at him, and Laird just continued running, and the umpire paid fifty metres. Yeah. They hate word association because he said Willie Walker. Now, for the whole night, I'm going to be thinking of Willie Wonka, which means I'm going to be thinking of chocolate, which means I'm going to get a block of caramello on the way home and absolutely demolish it, Fonny, because I love caramello. You've won, Charlie. You've won. <laughs> That's a great movie. Gene Wilder. Yeah. yeah. Gene Wilder playing Willie Wonka rather than Gene Wilder in um, the Woody Allen film, Everything You Always Wanted to Know About Oh, that was sex, great. He played a psychiatrist. Who, who falls in love with his sheep. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he ends up at a bubble on the street drinking wool mix. Yeah, but, but just on nah, the... <laughs> Matt Williams asked, can you state your top eight? Oh, yeah, sorry, I can, because I did my ladder predictor. Well, it's done. Yeah, it's the same as you see now. Uh, I've got... I've got and no, no, it's not, actually, because I've got Sydney beating Hawthorne next week. So, I have, very quickly, uh, really quickly. Is this like the longest epilogue our show's ever Yeah, I know, it's crap. Nah, get back to me. I'll, uh, I'll tell you later. I've got it written down somewhere. And let me just say this as a final football Willy Wonka reference. Yeah. That comparing, people say what's happened to the Bulldogs. Mm. It's like the Bulldogs of 2016 were the Gene Wilder version of Willy Wonka. Yeah. And this year it's the Johnny Depp Willy Wonka. <laughs> Which means what? Well, that was just such a horrible remake. <laughs> yeah. I didn't see it. Oh, they didn't have Oompa Loompas. They just had one guy in mirrors. Really? They had one guy play all the Oompa Loompas. The remake's never better than the original. Have you seen one remake that's better than the original, ever? Um, a, a remake? Yeah. Not not a yeah. part two. A yeah, re- yeah. Yeah, yeah, what? True Grit by the Coen Brothers. Brilliant. Oh, so I've only seen the original with John Wayne. Rooster Cogburn. Rooster, Rooster Cogburn. Well, this one's with Jeff Bridges. Yeah. It is a magnificent movie. So a good example, The Manchurian Candidate, my favourite movie of all time, Frank Sinatra. The remake is actually all right, but it's still not a patch on the original. That's my tip for you. Coen Brothers, True Grit. Yeah, I've had the Coen Brothers. They're a bit weird. I beg your pardon? They are a bit weird. Big Lebowski? Uh, yeah, a bit overrated. Far. Overrated. You haven't watched it it's properly. Okay. No, no, I have. It's okay. Mr. Lebowski. Oh, so I'm a bit like this with Tarantino. Fargo? Yeah, Fargo's good. Tarantino. Where Miller's do you stand Crossing? On yeah, but, uh, Miller's Crossing's a great movie. Where do you stand on Tarantino? Yeah, that's a bit That's a bit talk show. That's, so I think Pulp that's, Fiction. Yeah, I think it's that... A, it hasn't a, aged all that well. It's a victory of uh, style over substance, Tarantino. Yeah, more a movie film clip over two hours than a movie. And that's it for this week in cinema. No, that's it for the show. Thanks for watching. Uh, big last round coming up. We'll be back next Sunday, 7.30pm. Don't forget the uh, audio version of the podcast Thursday morning. Quick. No Country for Old Men. No Country for Old Men. That is a great movie. See ya.